When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Dr. Lambert, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you the latest OU roster and portal updates. We recap the national title game, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, January 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. And Ted, I hope everyone out there is staying warm. My goodness. Uh, yeah, it kind of uh, kind of got on us pretty quick yesterday, didn't it? Oh my and- gosh. <laughs> I uh, Now, normally, no, there's nothing more Oklahoma than starting a podcast with weather talk, now that I think about it. But it is this forecast. I saw those lows and I was like, oh boy, I don't know if I'm built for that anymore, but we'll, we'll, we're about to find out. I got some good jackets. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I guess they'll get the winter gear out for sure. I lived in Buffalo and Detroit and Cleveland. I'll be, able, I'll be able to survive this, but yeah, everyone out there stay warm, plan accordingly. Let's get into the OU football stuff. Ted, as always something to talk about. We're not reaching for content here. Let's start here. The news of Zach Alley, you know, that started coming out late last week. He has still not been officially announced as the new defensive coordinator as we're recording this. Now, maybe it happens today, but from the people I've talked to, no one is worried. It, it seems like they're just working through some things. I Selfishly, I just wish they would have had this move a little clip a little quicker to capitalize 
on the excitement from the fan base. I felt like the the fan base was fired up about this, and now it's you've kind of just moved on from it onto the next thing. We're 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 talking more portal guys now, yeah. and I, I just wish Zach Alley would have been announced, been able to capitalize on the momentum of the moment. Yeah, it doesn't feel like as clean as a situation as it first felt like. You know, and whenever we got the news that Ted Rupert wasn't going to be here anymore, uh, very quickly Zach Alley's name uh, popped up and felt like it was going to be a smooth transition. Everyone was kind of reporting that that's who it was going to be. And it's been a long time ago now uh, at this point. So it's interesting, I guess. Uh, I mean, the only thing you can figure is contract negotiations have gone on a little bit longer than you expected. Now there's there's background checks and all that stuff has to clear, but you would think that that would all be a formality and happen pretty quickly. You know, he does have a, a good ne- negotiating position considering we don't have a defensive coordinator. He's been, uh, it feels like he's the guy it has been reported. He's been around Norman and stuff like that. So don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I still am 100% confident that that's the direction it's going. I got no reason to believe it's not. So I guess we'll just have to uh, wait on the timing. I I imagine that his agent is looking at the situation going, you guys are going to the SEC. I've seen what that TV deal with ESPN looks like. You really want Zach. We know you really want Zach. So <laughs> I, it, I, I'm not worried about it, but it is interesting. I just figured everything was in place and ready to go when Roof was let go the way that he was. But I clearly yeah. they're still working through some stuff. Once again, not worried about it. I, I expect Zach Alley to be the next defense coordinator at Oklahoma, but the timing does feel a little strange. I, I don't know. Once again, not worried. Not worried. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with it. I mean, I don't know about timing, and I guess I'm really not even worried about timing, but, you know, things are going to start happening pretty quick here. You know, you've got you got spring ball. You've got – I don't know whenever the new recruiting windows and everything open back up, but you've got to be able to hit the ground running there. No doubt. All right, let's get into this, some of the roster updates. So our buddy George Stoya over at Sooner Scoop reported that Jalil Farouk is expected to return to OU for the 2024 season. That I think it's safe to say that Jalil did not have the type of season he wanted to have in 2023. He, he did not have the type of season that OU needed him to have in 2023, and him coming back for another year was what we expected. But I I don't know why Farouk is getting, I, I don't know. It seems like there's, there's just a lot of chatter around him coming back. And I, I view it as an overwhelmingly positive thing for this football team. You cannot have too many veteran guys that have played a lot of football on your team. I, I don't care what position. He plays. Did he have the type of year that did he have the type of production that a lot of people wanted him to have this season? No, but the guy can still play. I know that the the last thing people remember are the fumbles in the Alamo Bowl. I get that. 
but this is a guy that can make plays for you. So I, I think this is really positive news for Jackson Arnold, for Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, just for that offense as a whole. Cause he is, he's a quality player. Is he an early round draft pick? No, probably not. But this is a guy that's played a lot of football and has made some big plays in his career. This is great news. Yeah. Yeah. Depth, uh, veteran leadership on a football team is going to be good. Um, you know, I, I, the only part of that is good to have him back. Going to be much more difficult for him to be on the field moving forward. Right. I mean, that position is getting more and more competitive. You know, some of the younger guys that are growing up, you've got transfer portal guys coming in. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what his standing with Lebby was, but you've got new offensive coordinators. And whenever you've got new people in those positions, whatever those relationships were previous, I don't know where his standing is with that. He's going to have to probably re-earn whatever spot that he's got through spring football and uh, just what you want. It's going to become more and more challenging to get on the field for Farouk and, and have those opportunities. Hopefully you get Andrew Anthony back at full strength by the time fall rolls around. Uh, we know the portal guys that come in. So it's, it's going to be a really competitive group and you're, I mean, that's what you want. And the more veteran leadership you have in there, typically the better it goes. What do you think about him moving inside and being more of a slot guy? He's been playing an outside receiver spot, and I'm interested to see, you know, you look at Deion Burks, the transfer from Purdue. You don't have to watch many plays to realize the type of speed that that guy's got. So Farouk has always been a guy with his build. He looks more like a slot receiver. And, and I know that Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, they're going to want their receivers to be able to play anywhere. That's what Emmett Jones is going to want, right? You got to be able to play outside and inside now in today's day and age of football. But it does seem like him moving inside could set him up for a little more success because there is there is now a big void at that position with Drake Stoops moving on. Uh, we always thought that Gavin Freeman would kind of step in to that role once Drake move on, but now that position feels completely up for grabs, and I'm interested to see if they get into spring ball and stick Jalil Farouk in there because I think he could be really good in that spot. Yeah. I think he's, he's quicker than he is fast. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's quicker than he is fast. You know, I, I think one of his real strengths is I, I I don't know how explosive and and sharp he is as a route runner. I don't think he's a bad route runner, but I think one of his strengths is what he does with the football after the catch. And in the slot, you it feels like you have a lot more opportunity for that, depending on how they work you in the system. Some of the the shallow crossers where they can get you the ball easily and let you go to work. Some of the bubble stuff on the outside. He's a physical guy when he's got the ball in his hands. 
difficult for corners to tackle. So if you can start him in the slot, run some of the bubble stuff that you've done in the past, um, he could be a threat there. Again, though, it's going to be a really competitive position trying to get on the field there and everything, everything's going to matter. And I I think Farouk, he, he kind of strikes me as a streaky player. It feels like there's been long bouts where he's not really in the offense much. And then we'll get a couple of games in a row where, you know, he has several catches. It's the ball's going to him a lot and he, it feels like he gets better and better whenever that's the case. So I don't know. He, he needs to have a big off season. He needs to work on details. He needs to work on hanging on to the football. Uh, I think he, uh, you're right. And I agree that he's quicker than fast, but he needs to work on some of that speed and just come back for the following season, the 2024 season, you know, knowing that it's going to be the last go round and, Come out and play your best football from the very beginning and really dial into everything he needs to be all in for this season if he's going to stay on the field. Yeah, and he's a guy that he's gotten more and more vocal. I don't think, you know, being a a, a rah-rah type of guy, that's just, that's not who he is as a person, but he's gotten more comfortable with saying what he needs to say and you know, being a leader, not just with what he's doing on and off the field, but with what he's saying to his teammates. And I expect that, I expect that to grow even more. Right? I, I know that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an all big 12 guy. He wasn't an all American or anything like that. He still almost had 700 yards receiving. It's not like he was just some chump. So I, I think that having, a veteran guy that knows how to work, knows how to prepare, knows what the expectation is, right? Knows what the standard is. You can't have too many of those guys. So I'm excited and I'm, I'm very interested to see if we could see him bump inside during spring. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Seth Luttrell views him as a player and how he thinks he can maximize Farouk's strengths. So I'm, I'm excited for it, and I I completely agree with you. I think he's going to be ultra motivated. He's not yeah. going to want to be one of these guys that comes back for his last year and isn't playing a lot of snaps. That's yeah. that's not what anyone in his position wants to happen. So, I think we're going to see we're going to see the best of Jalil Farouk in 2024. What that exactly looks like, I'm not exactly sure. But I'm excited to see what it looks like. Well, you know, it's interesting. Our our wide receiver group has kind of diverged into two type players. You got your six four, six five outside guys, and you've got your smaller guys on the inside that are absolute burners. And I don't I'm not real sure where he fits in that mix. Now, you don't have to be necessarily one of those guys, and I think he's probably a good change up there, but it is interesting. Like, I don't know if I was to to say, like, what is his best asset 
like what's he best at? I think it's after the catch. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's speed. I don't think it's route running. I think it's kind of the physicality and the robustness, I would say, after the catch. Because he's, you know, we've talked about it before. He's He almost looks like a running back. I mean, he's got a very durable uh, type of physique. So they've got to figure out a way to highlight that in some way. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Other roster news. It seems like the expectation is that Trace Ford will be back for another season in a Sooner uniform. What do you think of that, Ted? Trace had he had some moments this season. You know, you look at the overall stats, not a ton of production, but he is I mean, it's another it's another situation where veteran guy, I mean, this is this is a grown man. And he he definitely has a place like as a situational player for this defense. So I I took this as as good news as well. Like you can never have too many. What is it? His sixth year in college. We just watched Washington play for a national title, and they had eight or nine of those type of guys. So you want to be old as a football team now in college football. And Trace Ford he. He had some solid moments this year and most notably, you know, getting getting to the quarterback. Yeah. I think he I think he's probably the most explosive athletically has the most natural as of right now the most natural pass rush that we've got on the defensive line. Now, I I would say healthy our Mason Thomas takes that title for yeah. me. But did we even see healthy R. Mason Thomas this season? I- One game, it felt like the bowl game was about it. You know, um, that's a good point. But I, I think that, I think Trace Ford, and I don't know, it's a, it was a weird year for him. Whenever you transfer in-state and what comes with that, um, I never got the feeling that he was, uh, totally comfortable and that he was all in and and not necessarily all in like he doesn't buy into the system not it's not that it's just like he was holding back a little bit we need to see everything that he's got full explosiveness he's not a guy that played 75 snaps a game so whenever he goes in it should be an all-out assault by him. He should use every ounce of his athleticism and didn't have enough of that this season. I still believe that he's got an incredibly high ceiling. And we didn't we didn't he didn't get close to that in this in this last season. He needs to he needs to really, you know, kind of take a look at himself and at the year he had last year. And if he's coming back, I'm glad that he's coming back. He just needs to crank it up, be all in, be a leader, go out there and, you know, I show us what you've got. It just felt like he was holding back a little bit last year. I think he's got a lot more to offer. And I'm, I'm actually really happy because, you know, we've got some good young guys on the edge where, you know, the ceiling is incredibly high, but they're not there yet. You know, we still need some good 
veteran leadership there, and I think Trace Ford could be one of those guys for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how comfortable he was in the system. Yeah. It's a complicated system. And if you're doing a lot of thinking out there on the field, you typically don't play fast. You don't play free. You're you're not as explosive as you would normally be if you were 100% sure of what you're doing and every adjustment you need to make when the opponent shifts and motions, all those things. And I, I think at times this year, you could kind of just see the wheels spinning for him. And remember, a, a lot of these guys we've talked about on the defensive side that really took a step this year, it was their second year in the system. That that wasn't the case for Trace. And you also factor in the injury element of things. It had been a long time since he played an entire season. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if, you know, I got to stay healthy, I got to stay healthy was always in the back of his mind. I'm with you, man. He just needs to cut it loose. In 2024. He didn't do a whole lot last year in the spring. Uh, you yeah, know, very like every, little. Every time I was out there, I don't I didn't see hardly any reps from him uh just kind of absorbing some things. And I I don't know if he was still kind of coming back from injury at that point. He may have been, but this is a great opportunity for him to step in, understands the system. You can instead of feeling like an outsider through winter workouts and that stuff. Like, this is where you really develop the chemistry of your football team. He should have a full run of it, and I'm hopeful he has a much better senior season or second senior season, whatever that's called. Last season. It's his last (laughs) season. That's Maybe maybe it's his last season. Remember, we talked about this a few episodes back. We just need the the depth (laughs) chart, the roster. It just needs to tell us how many more college football seasons you have. Like, just – this is it. Is this like, is what? it. This is it. That that would be that would be very helpful. But yeah, I think with Farouk and with Ford, you can never have too many veteran guys. Starting to become a a senior heavy football team, which the timing is really good for that. With a young quarterback going into a new conference and a tough schedule, mm-hmm. so. I, uh, I'm i with you. All right, Portal News. The Sooners got a commitment from Baylor transfer tied in Jake Roberts. A lot of people recognize that name. Oklahoma guy, 6'5", 248 is what he was listed at at Baylor this season. Played for Seth Luttrell at North Texas before he transferred to Baylor, so he will be very familiar with some of the things that Seth is going to want to do offensively. Bring all the tight ends, Ted. We need them. We need them all after what we watched this season. No doubt. Yeah, depth there is is critical. Um, and you're starting to kind of starting to see how that, that room is taking shape a little bit. And I really like what we're we're looking at at this point. You've got uh a highly recruited, highly talented freshman coming in. You've got a transfer portal pickup that the more I look at it, the more I like Bauer Sharp. I Is think it the name? That it doesn't hurt. It doesn't it, hurt. It feels like if your name is Bauer Sharp, you have to be good. 
I also it's it's the name. It's the fact that he was not recruited by anyone out of high school, and then all of a sudden, here's a six foot five, two hundred fifty pound athlete that a lot of people are looking at highly uh, sought after in the transfer portal. Really athletic. Um, I just I I like that. He, even his like his his picture from where he was previously. It's like there's something about this guy. Um, so you've got, you got the, the kind of the unknowns, but feel like there's some really high ceiling there. And then you've got like Jake Roberts brings some stability to that spot where, you know, you know what you're going to get experience. Um, I, you know, and I even think what Fanul came on strong at the end of last season and hasn't played a lot of ball. I, I feel like there's a, a position group we were really worried about i'm not saying we're there but it's starting to take shape and i feel like could end up being a weapon if things work out the way you hope Uh, this is this is the best way i can put it when they get into 12 personnel i'm not going to be nearly as worried as i was during the 2023 season yeah you got they didn't they didn't do it very often but when they did i was like oh boy here we go yeah. So I, I am. They have addressed the tight end position clearly. I mean, the staff isn't dumb. They they saw what we all saw that that was a that that position in particular was a big weakness on the offense, and, and they've addressed it accordingly. Now, Roberts was at Baylor last season, so. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows that I am a big fan of Jeff Grimes and his system. As a result of my affinity for the system over the last several years, I've I've gotten to know Jeff Grimes pretty well. So I texted him and asked him about Roberts. And I think OU fans are going to be really excited about what he told me about him. Uh, said he's got a great vibe. That's how we started it. He's got a great vibe. Great positive energy guy. Uh, Coach Grimes said he's one of his favorites. Said he's a good all-around player, pretty good at everything, good route runner, good hands, good run blocking, very good pass blocker too. And then said he runs well enough for a guy his size, and he's got excellent quickness. So, and I know there's more to this bringing Jake Roberts in thing, right? I know who his brother is. I got it. But, I won't lie, man. The breakdown from guy Grimes got me pretty fired up for Jake Roberts. It it seems like he's the type of guy that could go into that Stogner role, be able to do a little bit of everything, but just do it maybe at a little bit of a higher level than than Stogner was doing it this season. Or at least that's my expectation. That's kind of how I view him. Probably a little bit more versatile, too. Could probably do a few more things. Um, that's, you know, you don't always get the, the 100% unfiltered truth from coaches whenever they're giving you an evaluation let, of a player. But let, yeah. let me make something clear. In the past, I've talked to Jeff Grimes about some of his players, and he has lit a couple guys up. Yeah. And I feel like we have a good enough relationship. And I asked him, like, hey, do you mind if I talk about this? But it is 
he really likes Roberts. And I just, he sounds like the type of guy that can come into the program. He's just going to get it. You know what I mean? Which I think is very, very important. Yeah. That's that's the kind of what I was going with is like that, that is an evaluation that you feel good with. Right. You don't feel like there's, he's trying to, to pass something on that, that is not there. So uh, I, I like that. I think, you know, I would like it more if we adopted that run system, but you know, me too. <laughs> me too. So I, much I, outside zone. I think it's a great pickup to add some stability and some experience to that room. And his younger brother's pretty daggum good too. Yeah. That, that it, 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 if you're not aware, uh, Nate Roberts who will be a senior at Washington. What have they won? Two state championships in a row? Third incoming. He is he's the top 100 player in the country. Tied in. He's probably about 6'4", probably close to 240 now. And these Sooners are in an intense battle with Ohio State uh, for him. So, yeah, let's let's just be real. Getting his brother in an OU jersey doesn't hurt things. It, it doesn't, especially, and I've heard this from multiple people. They were, that family was pretty bummed that Jake didn't get an OU offer initially. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what comes of it when it comes to his brother's recruitment, but I'm more concerned with what Jake is going to do for this football team in 2024. And just from what I've gathered, what I've watched, it seems like he's going to be, at the very least, a solid contributor at the true tight end, what I would call the Y tight end position. Yeah. And just go back in time to a year ago and the position we were in going into spring ball at tight end, we are light years ahead of that. You remember what they were doing at spring ball? They didn't have anybody. They had no bodies. They couldn't do anything, hardly. So this is shaping up much better than a year ago was. We did our best to explain how heading into the season, how the tight end position was not in ideal shape. Yeah. Yep. I, I am hoping that when when the season rolls around this year that we're feeling much better about about that tight end spot because let's be real and, and we're about to recap the national title game but having tight ends and the personnel flexibility and versatility that that gives you as an offense it makes things harder on defenses it just does so the the lack of tight end personnel that OU had this season, it just, it stunted what they could be as an offense. Because yeah. if if the defense doesn't really have to worry about preparing for you getting in 12 personnel, it makes it a whole lot easier for them to prepare for you. It just, it just does, man. Even in 11, if, if in 11 personnel, you're reduced to, you know, a a split zone or zone insert offense and 
that's really all you like you're not going to get a tight end that splits out and is a, is a difficult cover for somebody or you're not worried about that like it's different whenever that 11 personnel and that guy lines up in the backfield as a as a blocking uh, H-back I if that guy's versatile in that spot and is a great blocker and is still a threat out of the backfield and commotion out that's where defenses get worried we just we did not have that option we had it with Braden Willis because of how versatile he was we did not have it this past season right so another exciting piece of news uh, when it comes to the roster for Oklahoma all right let's get to call your shot we asked you guys the most important thing that happened this week for Oklahoma football this first one comes from Brandon Jacks who says Dewey Selman is now a college football hall of famer. Awesome news. Dewey Selman elected to the college football hall of fame class in 2024. Ted just two time all American. OU was 43, two and one. They won four straight big gate titles and two national championships. It is four years. He also, most famously, 22 tackles against Texas. He, uh, yeah, yeah, seems like a college football Hall of Famer. What took so long? What, 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 what took so long for Dewey to get in? This is this is awesome news. Yeah, um, just crazy. Whenever you think about the career that he had, uh, the humble beginnings, and and just all around the nicest, most sincere humble individual you could ever imagine uh sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around uh, how could this guy possibly be a good football player as kind and gentle-hearted as he seems but was an absolute animal on the field yeah those 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 numbers those uh, uh Oklahoma's record two-time all-american all of that stuff just Incredible. Yeah. And I'd say when you've got like a 20 foot statue on campus and, uh, and, and maybe the, I gotta be the most famous group of brothers in all of football history. Right. So yeah, it's just, it's an easy vote whenever you're on the, the committee and you're putting things together to set up that vote. Yeah. That's a pretty easy one there. And talk to coach Stoops about it yesterday and, Coach Stoops is now on the committee, the College Football Hall of Fame committee, and he said he knew back in the summer and it was hard to to keep a lid on it and not call Dewey up himself and let him know right away, but uh, awesome, awesome, and de- very deserved, and, you know, he's just the next in a long list of, of eligible and deserving Sooners. Which brings me to my annual rant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Ted. College Football Hall of Fame, what are we doing? Two-time All-American, Butkiss Award winner, Bednarik Award winner, among a bunch of other awards and accolades. Damn it, get Ted Lehman into the College Football Hall of Fame. What are y'all doing? Dewey's in. We've had, by the way, OU's had quite the run of defensive guys. It's going to continue. And, Coach Stoops said that, you know, they they don't like to put a guy in every year from a school. So you kind of 
it's almost like an alternating year type of thing. Um, and you, within, you have a, you have a window, I think 20 year window and you have to have played within 50 years. I mean, there's a list of criteria in there. Oklahoma has a bunch of eligible guys for college football hall of fame. So I think, I think we're going to get a steady, a steady drip of Sooners going into college football hall of fame for a long time. Well, I completely agree with that, but I will not rest <laughs> until you're in. What episode is this? I could just see episode uh, 855. College Football Hall of Fame, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I No, no, no. You'll be in by then. It's only episode 386. Okay. So we've got some time, but come on, College Football Hall of Fame. Figure it out. Get my man Teddy Lehman in. It's ridiculous. People, go and tweet the College Football Hall of Fame. Please go don't. and tell him. Go and tell him. Teddy Lehman needs to be in. Figure it out, guys. I mean, they, how many national title games did you play in? Just two. Just two. Only two. You Should won. have played before. Yeah. You were, you were part of the most dominant. Uh, the people know this. I'm just repeating myself <laughs> at this point. Come on, College Football Hall of Fame. Figure it out. All right. Hey, but that class is awesome. Well, which they always are, but this class, it's there's some some ballers in this class. It's really cool. You were a baller, dude. Just I won't do it anymore because I know it makes you mad. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. But tweet, tweet the college football hall of fame, people. Tell them Ted needs to be in. All right. Let's recap what we saw on Monday night. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Loves All says you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamori and celebrate with Schooner All American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop L Works. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice cold beer from Coop L Works. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma drinkware company founded by OU grads. They have fantastic products, and that's why they found tremendous success selling their products at Target. Walmart, Amazon, and simplemodern.com. I use Simple Modern Cups. My wife uses Simple Modern Cups. My kids use Simple Modern Cups. Their products are for the entire family. Also, if you are a small business owner looking for some marketing swag for current and future customers, they make excellent customized products. Check it all out at simplemodern.com today. Michigan is your national champion. Wolverines handle Washington in the national title game. Final score was 
13. Ted, what'd you think? I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a better game than, than maybe people are giving it credit for. It, just like a side rant. I get annoyed whenever you watch a big game and like maybe it's not the epic back and forth that you expected. It plays out in a different way that all of a sudden there's like a backlash about how a team got there and what we're left with. And um, I thought it was a better football game than that. Now, Michigan showed that they were the best team in college football, uh, a total team, offense, defense, special teams, a uh, really, really, really well-played game on both sides of the ball. And Washington was just never able to get Michigan out of their comfort zone. It started off, you know, we talked about it. Like, if you really want to get Michigan uncomfortable, you got to play well early, get out to maybe a lead, and force them to get a little more aggressive than they typically are. But the way they ran the ball early against Washington, had some of those explosive runs, got a lead. They just settled into their their M.O. They settled into what they've always done. And it's just they they just choke you out as the game goes on. They see everything that you have to offer. They get better and better at defending it. As the game goes on, you got less and less room to work. Um your offense becomes more and more limited because you're running out of time and you got to get aggressive. You become very predictable and they continue to constrict and constrict and constrict. I thought it was uh, really, really well done by Michigan. Washington needed Penix to be special. They needed that passing game to look like it did against Texas. And not only was he not special, Michigan made Penix look ordinary. And then towards the end, made him look like he was not going to be able to God. continue. Yeah, <laughs> like, like they needed to check his organs. Yeah. Uh, I'm still not sure when, and I don't know if it was something that carried over from the Sugar Bowl, but I, I don't remember a hit where he got up and it was clear what was going on. It seemed like a rib issue, but... I mean, they they made Michael Penix look very average. And remember, there was that section of the season when Washington, they were not playing very well, and Penix was not playing very well. And it had a lot to do with you know, him being banged up, and that's kind of how he looked in this one. Some throws were there. Right now, the windows were tighter, there's no doubt, but a couple times he misses a Dunze when he's wide open. And I know Adunze took blame for especially the fourth down one after the game, but they they just they did not have the type of day they needed to have in the passing game to to beat Michigan. And those first three drives from Michigan, that's about as impressive as it gets. You talk wow. about setting the tone for a football game, Ted. Goodness. Yeah. Running the football. What was what did you see from a run fit standpoint from Washington in those three drives? It just, I mean, their run fits were a disaster early. Well, a lot of it is, you know, if a guy gets beat, 
gets reached, gets, you know, uh, doubled out of a gap. It makes everything look bad. And I think most of it was just exactly that guys needing to get to a gap and not able to get there. And if you're not able to get there, it just, and it opens up on you. And, you know, those, a lot of times you can look at some of that and say, oh, it's a missed tackle. But I'm just telling you right now, when you go up to make a tackle on a really good running back and the hole is doing this, it feels like you're in, it's you and him on the football field and there's nobody else out there. That is, it's not easy to do. Now, whenever you got everything condensed and you've built a wall where there's not different levels and the gap is a man wide, two men wide, and you can come in and have some leverage and square somebody up where they've got nowhere to escape to, that's a totally different story. And it was just, they, they were doing a really good job of making it just go like this. And it makes those tackles very, very difficult. And you got a really good running back in Corm who kind of knows how to set it up and knows how to, to really stress the, the free tackler coming up to make a play. But, you know, and Ed Edwards look, he looked fast. Yeah. Those first couple runs. I mean, he looked, and it looked to me, they're, they're just, they were just running duo and Washington didn't know exactly how to fit it because they were just yeah. moving them off the ball. Yeah. And, you know, late Washington started to get some stops against the run that they needed. And I, what I, what it looked like to me on some of those was like taking a wild ass guess on defense and some of them were paying off. Because you could see some of those backers spiking it and coming downhill, and there's two guys in a gap, but he was able to like to make it around, and there was maybe a little bit of hesitation because because you had multiple guys like going backside, so the O line was like a little hesitant, and that made the back hesitant, and they were able to make some plays on that, but that was that was like we have to have something happen. I'm going downhill. I'm hitting this gap. It doesn't matter, and they were able to make some plays out of that, but they were really exposing themselves to giving up some big plays and they kind of got lucky there late. Yeah. I thought early that at the second and third level, you go back and you watch some of those runs. It didn't, it just didn't look like Washington's backers or even their safeties had it had clear vision, like what they were seeing from Michigan. And they were just playing a little slow, a little hesitant, and that resulted in some massive plays and kind of just set the tone for the rest of the football game. But I I got to imagine. Can you imagine what Texas players were thinking watching that game? Like, hey, where was this guy missing all these throws? I mean, he was incredible against Texas in the Sugar Bowl with some of the throws that he had. And then he couldn't. I mean, he was just he was just missing some of those throws. Now, Michigan's defense deserves a lot of credit. They were by far the best unit on the field. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even close. Well, and, and you they know, made Penix those... really uncomfortable. But man, he just he didn't have it. Yeah, really good zone defense on television makes the quarterback look bad really good man coverage makes the defense look really good. 
right? Because you see guys that are right there competing for balls, right? They're tight coverage, slapping balls away. But really good zone coverage, you see errant throws. You see quarterbacks skipping ball. They don't know where to go with the ball because it doesn't, like when you got man coverage, it may be tight man coverage. You know where to throw the football. Now, your guy may not be able to make the play on it, but you know where to put the ball. In good zone coverage where they pass off good and everyone's in good position, they're relating to routes, you don't know where to throw it because you lead a guy as he's running a route, you're worried about the other zone. You know that they've got eyes on you and eyes on the route. You don't know where to put it. And you combine that with, a rush that wasn't always getting to him, but he was definitely aware of it. You combine those two things and it can make a quarterback look really bad, really quickly. And on television, it looks like what he's off. What's he doing? You know, he just, he doesn't know where to throw the ball in that case. And that's credit Michigan for that. Yeah. And on the other side of things, it's not like, J.J. McCarthy had some transcendent performance. Yeah. And, and that's what makes that's what makes what Michigan did so impressive to me. This isn't some high-flying, like, RPO-based offense. It's a pro-style attack that's got balance. They get in the huddle. They switch up personnel groupings all the time. Like it just, their operation feels professional to me. Yeah, it feels like I've been, what I've been slamming my face into the table for years saying that more people should do is what it feels like. And, and they have, they've recruited solidly, but it's not like they've had, Top five class after top five class, they've recruited at a decently high level, right? The top 10 to top 15 level. And they've developed guys. It's clear to me, they have one of the best strength and conditioning programs in the country. It's obvious when you watch them play. Yeah. Because the level of physicality that that football team's got, not only at the line of scrimmage, but at the skill spots. Like, they've done a really good job. The culture is weird as Harbaugh is. And he recruited me. He was the head coach at Stanford. He recruited me. The guy is so bizarre. But they have they built a great culture. And I know that I know this title. It will never it will never be discussed without talking about Connor Stallions and, and, and the sign stealing and all that. And I understand that. But from their players' perspective, the fact that they were able to deal with all of that, right? Remember that the cheating was not instigated by the players. Okay. But these guys were able to handle everyone saying they were cheaters, right? They're getting everyone's best shot because they're, you know, ranked in the top two or three all season and handled business all year. And, and really, really handled Washington. I never thought Washington was going to win that game with the way that it started. Yeah. Uh, I never thought. And it didn't take long to say, to say, okay, I, I know where this one's going. Right? right. And for Michigan's players to deal with all the distractions and to go win their first national title since 1997, 
it says a lot about the those players. Man, that that's impressive. Once again, I know that people always call them cheaters. I get that. But you know, for those guys to handle all that and go and finish the job, that's that's impressive stuff. Yeah. I mean, let's not not that we are, but this is just kind of uh, everyone in college football. Let's not just dismiss Washington as lucky to be there. Oh, I uh, thought if Penix plays, I thought I was not picking against Washington. Now I didn't bet anything on the game. I didn't. I didn't feel like I had a great read on it. I I knew plenty of people that thought Washington was going to win that game, and it had everything to do with Penix and those wide receivers and. They just didn't know if Michigan was going to be able to keep pace offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone should say anything negative about Washington. Like, yeah, they deserve to be there. There, there is just no debating that in my mind. Yeah, and it's interesting to see where these two teams are next year, right? I mean, Washington clearly is going to be losing some some great players. They historically have not been able to replace at the level of some other schools. We'll see how that goes. I think they're coached really well, obviously. Michigan, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be who they are, but we don't know who their head coach is gonna be. And you know, I you can say what you want about Harbaugh. All of his teams have always been the same. When you go back to Stanford, line of scrimmage team. Heavy run, traditional run, physical run game. Had a great quarterback that could that could do a lot on on top of that, but built the same. You go back and look at the San Francisco 49ers when he was there. Physical as hell in the run game. That's what they really hung their hat on. Great defense. Um, you know, his his formula works. Took Michigan a while to get there. He, but yeah, it, he he got away from it a little bit. Remember, who was it? Josh Gaddis, kind of the RPO system. Uh, they they tried to open it up a little bit, but to his credit, and it took him a little bit, he said, we're going back to my way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. surrounded himself with the staff that was buying into that form of offense, and it clearly has worked very, very well these last three seasons. Yeah, it's not gimmicky. It's not gimmicky. It's 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 about development. It's about weight room. It's about physicality, and it's impressive. No doubt. The only other thing on that game, credit to Michigan's fan base. Washington was struggling with the noise in that stadium. Yep. False starts. Center wasn't hearing the stupid slap snap count. Can we stop it with the clap snap count? It drives me insane. Just do a head bob like everyone in the NFL does. What? Just stop it, people. It's ridiculous. But center couldn't hear the clap a couple times. They had what I call the popcorn get off several times where one guard's moving, the other guard's still in his stance. One tackle's moving, the other tackle's still in his stance. It's just, like it's, <laughs> they struggled with the amount of noise that Michigan fans were making in NRG. And, you know, that that had an impact on the game. But now, now that Michigan's won it all, uh, the questions are, 
you know, what happens next with Harbaugh? Is Sharon Moore the guy if Harbaugh moves on to the NFL? And I think the other question is, you know, are we going to miss the 14 playoff era? Because next year we ramp this thing up to 12. So I, I expect Harbaugh to be in the NFL next season. And I think I'm kind of going to miss the 14 playoff. But it's going to be a lot of fun when there's 12 teams. The, the calendar is a little bit. Do you see the national title game next year is, what, January 20th? They may need to adjust some of those things, but other than that, okay, no, I'm excited for the 12-team playoff. I've changed my mind. I'm excited for the 12-team playoff. If they will ever decide on a format, which they still haven't done. And Well, it's not a big deal. It's not like it's next season or anything. Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 get there eventually. Um, I'm excited about the thing I like the most about it is the home playoff uh, first round. But if I know anything about college football, I know that they will take whatever is best about the 12 team playoff and ruin it. Um, but they'll take all of the the good ideas and stomp them out because of money and because of networks and not ever give one thought to what the people that watch the sport and that actually end up paying for it, um, that move the needle, never care what they think about it at all. So we'll see how they can take a great idea and ruin it. I'll be, I'll be just on pins and needles waiting to see what they do. <laughs> Can't wait. If you had, if you had to guess, where do you think Harbaugh ends up? L.A.? Gosh. He does not seem... Uh, his style is so, like, anti-L.A. It's it's just... It's hard to envision that. I'm, I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not sure. And... I think there's some going to be some interesting jobs continue to open up here pretty quickly. So I don't know. You know, he really fits New England. Mm. Harbaugh or Vrabel. Mm. <laughs> don't know. An, an interesting situation there. Fit Tennessee too. We'll see. I, yeah. he is, I know this, he's going to be making a boatload of money co- coaching football next year, wherever it is. My goodness. Yeah. I love the way he answered that question with a, would you like to add a Super Bowl to this list? And he's like, I just, can I just celebrate this? Get it. Can I enjoy this? Can, can, can a guy have this? that? Can you give me that? That was pretty funny. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, all you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes. Filet, ribeye, New York strips, sirloin, Steak burgers, they've got it all, and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S., and Oklahomans can get deliveries in just one to two days. 
the only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O-line and D-line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. And John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. Tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and no matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? We touched on a little bit, but, you know, I think whenever all the dust settles on this national championship for Michigan and I this thing gets goes into the memory bank and we uh, – we come back and talk about it from time to time. I think the most memorable person for the whole team is going to be Connor Stallions. And the way that the Michigan fan base kind of embraced him, and you saw the videos, they're buying beers. He was there in Houston. Did you see how many buckets of beer were in front of that guy? And they, they were just keep, they kept setting them in kept front coming. of him. Kept coming. Um, uh, you know, hanging out with the team after the game and celebrating. It's it's interesting. There's going to be a statue of Connor Stallion somewhere on campus, you know, with some binoculars or something, maybe wearing a Central Michigan hat somewhere. Uh, it's just, it really kind of ties in how crazy of a year it was. Like, if, if you just came in to watch the playoffs – and watch Michigan win the national championship as kind of a casual fan. I you don't even get I hardly discussed that during the broadcast at all, which I don't even remember him talking about. Maybe they did, and I just kind of in one ear and out the other. But I, you've got the championship, and then you've got this huge scandal that is still just kind of sitting there that. We're just going to keep moving on and forget about, except for the statue on campus of Connor Stallions that they have in the future. I is it is it weird that seeing my initial reaction to seeing those videos of Michigan fans like showing love for it? Is it weird that my initial reaction was, "Hey, man, good for him." I. I was, that's kind of how I was. I was laughing, you know, I was like, I was like, man, good for him because ultimately do I think that he crossed the line? I do, but he didn't kill anybody. You know, it's not like he committed some horrendous crime and there was a stretch there where 
He was like the most discussed guy in the country. Yeah. And people, person after person, bashing the dude. And I get it. You know, I, I was saying he was a cheater too. But that guy, to his credit, he went through hell and he, he could have ratted Michigan out. It, it sounds like he said, I'm not talking. And I, I hope that my hope is that Michigan and the Michigan fan base, I mean, you take care of your own, right? Yeah. I mean, all the guy ever wanted to do was help Michigan football win a championship and mission accomplished, right? Uh, I mean, now is the, t- if you're Connor Stallions right now is the time to set up a GoFundMe, uh, you know, Oh, I'm without a job. <laughs> no, now is the time to release the manifesto. Oh yeah. We need the manifesto, Connor. Come on. We want it. TMZ pay, pay big money for it. You know, how I are you going to build Michigan football years. into a dominant juggernaut? Come on. We need to know. You, you got to wait a couple of years, uh, to release that release the book. But let me just say last thing. Let's not forget the uproar, the, the despair, the anger that this created, right? How everyone was, was up in arms about it. Let's not forget that. Whenever we move into next season and college football's done nothing about it, there's a reason that the NFL has had helmet communication for 25 years and college football still doesn't have it. What is that reason? Well, the reason is because teams feel like their sign-stealing operation is better than the other team's sign-stealing operation, and that gives them an edge. That is the only reason college football does not have it and most likely will not even have it in the future, even after this whole situation. I I think that college football, you're going to have the option to use it or not. They had that in the bowl game, and almost everyone, I think, opted out. And one of the main reasons, I I don't think coaches want to do it. Yeah. I think coaches like sending their two or three signals and having their one play play calls and having it mean everything. I I think tempo teams especially are going to say, no, thanks. We'll keep signaling. If we got to go through the headset, it slows us down. My dream is that college football forces every team to use it, which will then force every team to huddle. That's my dream. Because then we get a we'd get a rhythm to college football, and I would I would love it. But yeah, I don't. I think if that if teams have the option, a lot of teams are going to continue to say no thanks. We want to play fast, and we can't do that with the headset. And you've heard me. I think every team should have to huddle, unless it's um what maybe you can go what two minute drill, four minutes, whatever before the half and before the end of the game, it'll it'll eliminate all this bullshit like snail and 
substitution crap that we see so all of stupid. the delay of game and needless timeouts because of it i think you should have to huddle where everyone that's going to break go out into the formation has to come into some type of group between the hashes that's just my my opinion whatever Not i would love happen. it i would love it so much all right we sound so old by the way i <laughs> we just sound like old angry men all right who do you have as your loser of the week we touched on this a little bit too. Tennessee Titans for getting rid of Mike Vrabel. What are they doing? Uh, uh, he is the coach of the year. They've been a constant winner. Now they've had their ups and downs, but you know, they're one of those teams that's been kind of in draft purgatory where they've been, you know, good enough to be relevant, make the playoffs, but you know, haven't been bad enough to have one of those top draft picks, especially at quarterback that can change things. I don't know what Tennessee's doing. I was shocked to hear that they let go of a variable. I was as well, especially, you know, I know quite a few guys there in Tennessee that played for him. And every single one of them loves the guy. And I think he's widely considered what the very least a, Top seven, top eight coach in the league. A lot of people, I think, would put him in their top five. Now, these last these last two seasons, right, they've struggled in division play, and they, they just they haven't been very good the last two years. But it wasn't that long ago where they were the one seed. Yep. So I, I just think if you are – if you're the Tennessee Titans – and you've got what a lot of people consider the best, one of the best coaches in all of football. You better have something in plan already. And maybe it's Harbaugh. But just it, uh, yeah. from hearing their owner talk, it it doesn't sound like there's some master plan at work here. I, I don't know, but... All I know is they made a change at GM last yep. year. We talked about it on here. We were a little surprised because they kind of had things rolling. They fired Robinson. Without really, it sounds like without much discussion with Brable about it, right? And if Rand Carthen, the new GM, and Brable see things differently, if they've got, you know, some of the reporting is they, they kind of had different timelines in mind. I'm going to get in a new GM, you know, I just with the amount of respect that Vrabel has around the league from coaches and players. I just, if you're the Tennessee Titans, you typically don't fire a guy like that, but yeah, I, I was shocked by it. And you know, who knows what happens with Belichick at new England. There's already been people saying, well, Hey, how's, how's Vrabel fit there? Um, which he's that kind of that style of guy with what they've been over the years. Uh, I don't musical chairs season for the NFL. Yeah. I, that one was a bit of a stunner. What were they? I, I know they were six and 11 this year. It's not a good season for the Titans. No. Well, they've got a bunch of money tied up in a running back who has been great, but is aging rapidly. You know, they've got to get, they've got to get some star. They've, you know, kind of hemorrhaged some skill position talent. 
They don't. They haven't had like a real. They've been. Oh, they were good at quarterback whenever their roster was good everywhere else, and you could kind of navigate your way. They, just like everyone else in the NFL, they are waiting for their turn to have a game changer at quarterback. Yeah, a lot of change for uh, for Tennessee. You think about it. Brable's gone. Derrick Henry's about to be a free agent. So, you know, kind of the the staples of that franchise, Tannehill's going to be gone. Now, this this stretch of Tennessee Titans football, it, it seems like, I, I don't want to say they're hitting reset, but seems like it's the start of a new era there. Kind and there's a, a lot going for it. Yeah, Nashville is... You know, one of, if not the hottest city in the United States, they're getting a new stadium. You know, there's, there's going to be some flexibility, I assume with the cap. When is the new stadium supposed to be complete? I don't remember. Gear up for a tank away until we can, uh, we can get that big draft pick and make our debut in the brand new stadium. Yeah. I, I would assume it'll be quite some time, but. It'll be, it'll be nice. You know, who knows now with the way that construction's going? Who knows, Ted? You know, you know that world better than I do. Two and fifteen incoming over the next two seasons for uh, for the Tennessee Titans. No faith in Will Levis, huh? Okay. Well, I think it's. I think it'll be a kind of a design thing. That's probably the timeline discussion, right? We're gonna suck for the time being to gear up our roster through draft picks. For the long haul. Yeah. We'll see. But that that surprised a lot of people around the league. For sure. All right. Let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first. Elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment. In Oklahoma City, Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. Like if you're going to the Chiefs playoff game this weekend and tailgating. Like I am. Oh, they're Oklahoma owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Uh, For my winner of the week, thought about going with Griffin Media. Love that the Thunder are going to be broadcasting uh, those Friday night games here on local television. And if you want all the details, you can go check out the press release uh, from the Thunder and from Griffin. But 
Ted, I've been saying it for a while. Especially with how good the team is now. More Thunder fans need to be able to watch this team without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. And this is, hopefully this is a start to something where Thunder fans, not only in Oklahoma and in this region, but Thunder fans everywhere can have easier and less expensive access to watching this basketball team. So I, I was fired up to see that announcement. Totally agree. Yeah, that's awesome. It's 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 been a pain. There's so many different options and let's just say situations on television for people these days that it's not nearly as easy as it should be to watch your local uh, professional team, whatever that is. And uh, I, I was thrilled with that announcement, shocked by it because I don't understand how those, all those moving parts work in television. I, that is, it feels like a huge feat to be able to pull that off. Well, in the current negotiations and contracts and all that. Yeah. The, you know, Bally sports is, they've had some disastrous moments here yes. over the last, over the last couple of seasons and the league and the company that the NBA and the company that owns Bally sports. Now they negotiated where I believe you could do up to 10 games right this way. And a bunch of teams have done it. And my mm-hmm. hope is that, this is the star, not only just for the Thunder, but the NBA needs to be easier to watch for people in the market and even the people outside the market. It, it needs it, it shouldn't be as hard as it is. So uh, I'm hoping this is the start of not only a bigger shift for the Thunder and for Thunder fans, but just for NBA fans in general to be able to watch their squad, man. Uh, I mean, that's... Not not a, a lot of people can't afford to go to these games. And yeah. the the way you build your fan base, you just have to got to be on television. It needs to be easy to access it. Whether you're streaming YouTube TV, whether you're watching traditional cable, whether you got the old antenna fired up, it doesn't matter. It needs to be easier for all NBA fans. So I, I know that well, ultimately you're trying to make money off the TV deals and that type of stuff. But I think Adam Silver in the league... I think that they've recognized that it has been a it's been too much of a struggle for people. Yeah, the and I regional, think they're trying to make it right. The regional television situation, this regional sports situation, is it feels like it's a uh, a dying situation, and there's a pivot incoming. Not not exactly sure what that's going to be, but it feels like we're kind of on the brink of all of that stuff changing in some way. Maybe, maybe a local affiliate will, will acquire the podcast and they can put it on their channel. Yeah. We're, Hey, we're always open to discussions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But for my, my winner of the week, let's talk some NFL super wild card weekend, man. Hmm. I, I love some of these matchups, right? The NFL riders got it right this year. Didn't they? That you're absolutely correct. You've got Cleveland at Houston, Miami at Kansas City, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Green Bay at Dallas, uh, the Rams at Detroit, and then Philly at Tampa. What 
when you look at the slate for Super Wild Card Weekend, it's Super Wild Card Weekend now. It used to just be Wild Card Weekend. Now, now it's super. I like that. But which which one or two really stand out to you? Which ones are you the most excited about? Miami at Kansas City is what I am most excited about. Um, I if that game was played in Miami, I'd have a totally different feeling about it with it being played in Kansas city and what that forecast looks like. Oh my God. Uh, I will be in arrowhead for that game. And my wife has ordered every heated clothing item that exists on the planet. I I mean, we have heated socks, heated gloves, heated vest ready to roll, (laughs) baby. I think the highs like zero at kickoff. It's going to be brutal. Uh, yeah, not, not including the wind, and uh, hopefully there's a. I know it's all charged, but you need an outlet under your seat wherever you're sitting. <laughs> Plug yourself in. That's bring awesome. a that's generator. Bring a generator. Uh, that's awesome. That's the way to do it. But I, those games, I always, I believe that this sport is meant to be played in the elements, in the weather. So I always love those games. Um, Kansas City has not looked good down the stretch. Neither has Miami. That game, I think, is is really interesting. And then, obviously, the Detroit game with Stafford, I think, is awesome. Um, you know, Green Bay at Dallas, everyone's starting to, like, talk about Dallas's path to the Super Bowl looks awesome all of a sudden. You've seen Dallas in the playoffs recently, right? I mean, come on. This... This is the like you have to huddle around the television here to see if they stub their toe once again in the playoffs. And then, you know, Philly at Tampa, Baker is the easiest guy in the NFL to root for. Jalen Hurts and Philly have like really fallen apart down the stretch. I mean, they're all interesting. I, I like all the games. That's that's why it's my winner of the week. I was just looking at the slate, go, this is gonna be. This is going to be a lot of fun, especially you look at Cleveland at Houston. Houston's a home dog to Joe Flacco. I, I mean, who knew that you never would have thought would have made the playoffs this year? With exactly. The way who knew that I would be so excited to watch Joe Flacco and CJ Stroud have a showdown? Like, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. And then Green Bay at Dallas. Dallas fans have to be very confident, but also, like you mentioned, just a little nervous. A little nervous. A little nervous. Now, there's almost one thing that's guaranteed in that game, and that's CD, that CD Lamb. <laughs> that's that CD Lamb's going to score a touchdown. My, we haven't talked a lot about it, but my goodness. Cowboy record. He may be the best player in the NFL right now, like regardless of position. That's how yeah. well he's playing. He is unbelievable right now. Just missed out on leading the league in in receiving yards by got beat by fifty by Tyreek Hill. Uh, caught a touchdown in I don't know how many consecutive games now. He's playing great ball, awesome. But Green Bay has just kind of flown under the radar this year, and they're a solid football team. It's a uh, Jordan Love has a chance. To make some noise in that one. Yep. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like. But 
Yeah, the Philly at Tampa game is I I think Philly's the better football team. I just it's hard to it's hard to gauge how healthy they are right now. So yeah. it, and clearly, you know, a lot of a lot of OU fans are gonna be torn in that one, but I, I still think OU fans love for Baker kind of trumps everything else. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. One thing I'll say about that game. Is it weird that I hate that in the playoffs there's a Monday night game? No. I don't it's it's ridiculous. What you should not have to play a playoff game on short rest. No. That's I, I don't know that just that it it feels wrong to me. It is wrong. Now, I I can't say that it won't be awesome to have three days of playoff football. I didn't right? say that. Right, but it does feel like a massive disadvantage to somebody. Yeah. So, I don't know, but I'm going to watch it. I, I do think out of all the games, and I'm, I'm going to be in Kansas City watching the Belldozer, but I do think out of all the games that interest me the most, Rams at Lions. I mean, the storyline of Stafford going back there. First time hosting a playoff game in that. And that for forever. Uh, that place, Ford Field, is going to be insane for that game. Uh, that one's that one's going to be a lot of fun. And you look at it, what Detroit, three-point favorite. Yeah, the Rams are quite good. Oh, yeah. They, they've come a long way. They were just floundering around for, you know, a big portion of the season. And then, you know, it's like Miami, uh, Philly. There's some teams that are going into the playoff where at the midpoint of the season, it's like this, they're Super Bowl bound. And then they just kind of limp into the playoffs, not on much of a hot streak at all. It's kind of interesting to see like how these two different kind of uh entry into the playoffs how they how they shake out in this in this week and next week. Yeah. All right, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with the Houston Cougars. They're undefeated, number 2 in the country. Went to Hilton Coliseum and welcome to the Big 12, gentlemen. Yeah, buddy. Get used uh, to it. Sir uh, I mean, it's their first loss of the year. Momchilovich with a ridiculous fade to take the lead late, hits a couple three free throws to seal the thing. Maybe, maybe the biggest wake up call for Kelvin Sampson and that Houston team didn't storm the court. Undefeated number two, knock them off. Iowa State fans were like, yeah, this is what we do, man. No big deal. Yeah. Now the players ran out on the court kind of like they thought the that somebody was gonna storm the court. I'm not gonna lie. But that's that's pretty impressive stuff from TJ Otzelberger's group. And did you hear him after the game? He was like, We're never an underdog in Hilton Coliseum. <laughs> it was just like, Okay, man. Okay, we get it. Well, I mean, but that is that's this conference mm. is incredibly difficult to win on the road. You got to win your home games and hope to steal one or two on the road. And that's about it. 
You know, like that's you now I know they're they're way better than most and will probably do better than that, but it's just a it's just a a sign of how difficult this year's gonna be if you thought you were gonna cruise. Yep. But my loser of the week, Nike. Mm. Tiger Woods with the announcement that he's leaving Nike after twenty seven years. Ted, how does this happen? I, I'm going to be straight up. And I, I had followed, you know, oh, he's wearing foot joy shoes now. Oh, you know, Nike stopped making equipment. So he's using different balls. He's used in different clubs. Like I get all that, but I also just figured he had a lifetime contract with Nike in place. I, I just always figured that. And especially Nike stuck with him through like all the lows. In his personal life, with the injuries, like Nike was there. So I just figured he was Nike for life, and no. Moving on. All the great ads over the year. Over the years, just now history. Where's he going? How could Nike let this happen? What's Phil Knight doing? I have so many questions. I don't know. It's weird, right? It feels strange. Well. Here's like, this is my first thought, you know, he is, he's at a point where whatever he, whatever tournaments he plays, I don't know what he's going to play, but it's going to be few and far between, right? If there were ever a time for him to do like his own brand, it would be now where he's got more time to dedicate to it than he has ever really had. Right. So I, to me, like Nike's always been the easy thing for him. It's mailbox money. You, you hammer out some commercials. I, it's just, that's easy. But now that you've got some more time to devote to different things, like if he wanted to do his own brand, I think people would eat it up because for the foreseeable future, he's going to be the most famous name in golf, whether he's playing or not, for until there's a new young superstar that can, you know, change the sport the way he did, which I don't know if that's possible uh, at this point. So I, that's the only thing I would I would see, like, if you're ready to devote time to it and start your own. Yeah, I I just what happens to the TW logo that's all over the Nike stuff? Like Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, wears Tiger Woods branded Nike gear. So I does he own that TW logo? Like can he take it and just put it on stuff? I I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Does Nike own it? I have so many questions about this situation, but I, I think my top question is where's he going to go and what does that mean for his son? Because I, I always just assumed, hey, Charlie Woods is going to be a Nike guy. And now, and Charlie Woods has a long way to go to be, you know, what a lot of people think he can be in golf. Is he, he looks, they, like, I don't know. I The stuff I see looks awesome, but that's like, you know, cherry picked and, like I don't have a golf eye. I don't know 
it all looks good to me. You know, he, so. he he looks like he's gonna be a tour level guy. Okay, from some of the golf people uh, that you know that I read stuff from. But do do Tiger and Charlie Woods then like start some some brand? Do they like do they just go under the tailor made umbrella and start? A line of apparel, like I don't know, but I guess we'll see. What the Genesis at Riviera is in about a month. I got a feeling he's going to be wearing something new. What do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I, think I it's hope be his own deal. I want it to be his own deal because it just feels to me and Jordan, Jordan's Nike. But I don't know, Tiger Woods. It's just it just feels like he should have his own thing. Yeah, and I think if he started his own thing, I think a lot of guys would want to wear it. Because you got to remember, a lot of these guys on the tour grew up absolutely idolizing him. It'd be the same as being a Jordan athlete. Yeah, exactly. Which is a big deal in the NBA. There's not a lot of them. So he could handpick the guys that he wanted. It would be a massive deal. Ted, if Tiger Woods comes out with a line of golf apparel, guess what you and I are going to do? Fork we'll it be, over. <laughs> we'll be purchasing. We'll be purchasing what he's offering. I want him to make clubs. I'd like to get some Woods Woods. Yeah. Let's do what you did there. Yeah. I, that's where I wonder how big this is going to get. Like, is it a situation where he's just making clothes? Or is it a situation where he wants, I mean, he wants to do the entire thing, clubs, balls, bags, all the apparel, shoes, hats, uh, uh, gloves. I, he's that's got, a lot he, of work, man. It's a lot I of work. Know, but he's got a new, he's, he's going to have to, like, he, he's, he's shifting gears phase of his life right now. Right. And. He's gonna have to figure out because he's not gonna be a he's not gonna be a week in week out tour player. Um, he's probably gonna be devoting it looks like at least from what I've seen devoting a lot of time to his son's golf. And I mean, he could be he's gonna be a front man for for something. And, and if he wants a new venture and wants to dive into something, it it would be the easiest money he ever made. Well, I don't know. He's made a lot of easy money, but it would go off big time. As long as it's a good product, right? You right. can't can't just slap a name on crap. You know, if you do if you do top level stuff, then people will line up for it. Would you rather have the TW logo or a silhouette of like the iconic fist pump as the logo? Because Jordan, you, you think of the Jordan logo. I mean, and there's kind of multiple, but everyone knows the Jordan logo when they see it. Flying through the air about to dunk the basketball, right? Yeah. I I think I would want the fist pump logo. Like on a hat, I think that would be cooler than the TW. But that that's just that's my initial reaction. You need a silhouette, like the ultimate. Like now that you mention it, the ultimate thing in sports is to have a silhouette 
there's no branding on it. There's no jersey. There's no identifying aspect of it other than whatever that movement is. Like, and he's he's got a bunch of them. I mean, everyone, I most people that you don't even have to watch a lot of golf, you know, a Tiger Woods swing when you see it. Like, if you could see it, you said that swing is Tiger Woods, and you couldn't, like, you couldn't identify a lot of people. Maybe Jim Furyk, but I everyone kind of knows that. So I, that's a hell of an idea. It, I think it would be something like that. I don't know if you could tell, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about this entire <laughs> situation. I just I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I do. All too. right, birthday shoutouts. Welcome to the world, my new niece. Nice. this weekend, Lila Riley. Love you, little girl. Welcome. Awesome. Happy 42nd birthday to Caleb Followill. How about that? Yes. Awesome. But he is a boy, loyal listener to the podcast. Happy birthday, man. And Very happy cool. upcoming 60th birthday to Dennis Hendon. On that note, Very good. episode 386 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop on Sunday. Going to record a little later. Because going to be driving back from Kansas City uh, after that game. So maybe in your feet a little later than normal there on Sunday. But don't worry. We'll get it to you. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius X and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.